0: What is up, everybody? Happy Thursday to you all shortly before the kickoff of Thursday Night Football, if you are joining us live. Uh, I'm Anthony Kazenza, joined as always by my partner in crime, John Sheeran. We've got a special guest to help preview what is looking like a must-win game, really kind of maybe for both teams. I haven't had a real close look at the schedule for the Rams in the weeks ahead, but you would think where they're standing and how their first two weeks have played out, and especially – how the first two weeks have played out for the Cincinnati Bengals, that it's kind of getting must-win type of time right now. John, what's going on, my friend?
1: This is this is covering the NFL in a nutshell when news breaks right before the show and you're rushing out to get an article out there because Thursdays, uh, Monday night, are very busy, and we're going to talk about all of this in the coming minutes here. So do we want
0: to start with the breaking news, or do we want to bring in the guest first? I mean, we've kept them waiting already, but I mean, wait. we have
1: kept them waiting. We'll, we'll, let's bring
0: them on. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, we have this really cool synergy partnership, whatever you want to call it, whatever the best term is with the Believe Network, B L E A V. We've had a lot of different guests to come. You know, we love, we love. We love bringing on the SB Nation, folks. We love bringing on um, a lot of people that we have affiliations with within Vox Media and SB Nation. But the good news is this particular guest, um, he has affiliations with both SB Nation and the Believe Network. He is the co-host of the Believe in Rams uh, podcast with, uh, you know, doing working with Cam Rogers, our buddy there, and, uh, you know, Doing doing some great work there, and then of course he is uh, a contributor over at Turf Show Times, which is the SB Nation Ram site, and we are going to welcome him in, Mr. Jake Ellen Bogan. We've kept you waiting, 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 good sir. I appreciate you hopping on, making time. Not a, like I said before, we we made you wait, and then you you know we we made you wait to even get the invitation, and you accepted it last minute. But we appreciate it, sir. How are you?
2: Oh, I'm fine, guys. Don't don't worry. I've dealt with everything. So we're we're good over here. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, John, we met the senior bowl. You're a great guy. So, uh, you know, it's nice to get on a show with you as well. But um, really appreciate you guys reaching out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we've had this really cool partnership with the Believe Network. And um, we'll talk more about your show, your multitude of shows. You are a man of many talents and it shows from your Twitter following uh, getting close to 20,000 Twitter followers there. Appreciate you see it. there. Uh, yeah. Uh, stoked for you. It's just, it's a testament to your work, my friend, but let's, let's kind of start. I, I like starting here for the most part. And that is just pretty basic. What, what's the status of the Rams health? I know obviously big move this week on their end. Cam Akers no longer on the team. He got shipped off to Minnesota. So what's the health status and just kind of overall status with the team heading into this Monday night matchup?
2: Yeah. So obviously everyone knows Cooper cup is not going to (laughs) play. He is on the IR. Uh, So in case, you know, you've been living under a rock, Cooper cup is out uh, until at least week five. So he will not be suiting up. So then you, you look, you know, across the board, um, you know, they put a, a safety on IR who they drafted Jason Taylor, the second, um, that's not really somebody that was probably going to have an impact in this game. The guy that I'm most concerned about looking at so forth is is joseph notboom who was uh, going into last week the right guard for the los angeles rams playing at a high level he did get a shoulder bruise deep shoulder bruise uh, that they pretty much are calling a confusion in that game against the 49ers he left in the middle of the game middle of the third quarter in came seventh round pick Tremaine Ancrum out of Clemson and Ancrum is a good player. He's, he's not quite no boom athletically. So, uh, the hope is that he's going to be good to go this week and none of the injuries, none of the, the banged up, uh, you know, so to speak, uh, is going to affect any sort of, um, you know, playing time this Monday. Uh, I think the one guy to also look out is, uh, Puka Nakua. Okay. He was dealing with an oblique injury and while he's been on an absolute tear, um, you know, he, he was definitely feeling it at the end of that 49ers game. So that's all I got for you in, in regards to injuries. Uh, you mentioned cam Akers. It it's addition by subtraction. He's not a fit anymore. They move on and now they can bring in the next era of, uh, you know, that running back room, which starts with fifth round, uh, you know, second year man out of Notre Dame, Kyron Williams.
1: You mentioned his name. I don't think there's anything more that I need to ask you aside from just Puka Nakua, like just. That, that 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 that's the question like I won't I want all your thoughts on him because there's just there's a lot to say here
2: well Puka Nakua is just gonna get open no matter what right he's just he's unbelievable in this offense yeah he was and, and here's the thing was he this good coming out of BYU I don't know but I can tell you right now what he's done this offseason to get ready to be in this position And I, you know, the stuff I hear, the stories I hear about how, you know, it was Stafford. It was Cooper Cup. This was Jordan Rodriguez, the athletic reporting this called the breakfast club every morning. Like they would have breakfast together. They'd go over things so forth. Well, one day the rookie, the fifth round rookie, by the way, the Rams drafted, he was the fourth, uh, fifth round pick that they had. So four of four, and he wants to sit down with them and talk shop. And, you know, he started from that point on really just following shadowing Cooper cup, trying to learn everything about his game and apply it to his own game. And so it, it's been, it's been a sight to see. And I think, you know, a lot of the the fun thing about this, and, and it's actually a silver lining, you never want to see guys get hurt, but the best thing right now and how I'm looking at it is you have Cooper cup who just wasn't ready to play. I mean, we've seen, you know, th- there's questions about Joe Burrow's calf, like, Should he have sat out the beginning of the season? Like who knows, right? But with Cooper Cup, I can tell you with that hamstring, hundred percent should not have played. And I like the way the Rams are going about this. Slowly put him on the IR. He can come back week five against Philly. And what that's done is it's opened the door for guys like Tutu Atwell, the twenty twenty one second round pick out of Louisville, to all of a sudden start to emerge, and Puka Nakua, the rookie out of the fifth round, and. It's been a sight to see, but yeah, Puka is just somebody, he finds a soft spot in the zone. He's a good route runner, has some decent speed. Uh, you know, he can get over the top. He, he did that against Seattle and, you know, stabbed, missed him by an eyelash could have had another 40 yards in that game. And then, you know, you see what he did, nursing an oblique injury. The 49ers couldn't stop him to be honest with you. I think the only thing is, you know, it seems a little weird workload for a wide receiver. You think of workload running back uh, in the touches and all that, but that's been the name of the game. Nakua takes a lot of hits over the middle of the field. And so they're going to have to manage his workload. I think uh, very soon because they're, they're pushing the limit here. You're talking 35 touches or 35 targets in the first two games.
1: And we can't hear you, man.
0: Talking with Jake Ellenbogen, host of the Believe in Rams podcast, as well as a contributor over at Turf Show Times, the SB Nation Rams website. Happy to be chatting with him. Uh, Look, there are two megastars on each side of the ball that are potentially winding down in their careers. One definitely Hall of Fame, one probably Hall of Fame, and that is, of course, Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald. Um, I'm particularly interested in how fans or observers, those who cover the team, feel about Matthew Stafford and what they've seen over the sample size of 22 and 23. Um, I think I had counted 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, something to that effect, so including through the two first two games this year. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, has he still – has it been better than what we've been seeing – These first two weeks, at least from a macro perspective, just looking at the stat lines.
2: Yeah, you know, Matthew Stafford, uh, really unfortunate this past game. Um, He's balling out like he looks like Matthew Stafford of old. You can't tell because you look first off, they scored on the last eight drives. Uh, coming from the Seattle game and moving on into San Francisco before the the second half. So they were killing it. Right. Uh, Unfortunately for Stafford, you know, with those numbers and not everybody gets a chance to see, you know, the full Rams games. What is important to, to realize here is Kyron Williams comes away with two rushing touchdowns in that game week one. Then you have Cam Akers, you know, with a rushing touchdown. That's three touchdowns that did not go to Matthew Stafford. He does not throw for a touchdown. He throws for over 330 yards against what, honestly, I thought Seattle coming in was a pretty solid defense. And then against the uh, 49ers, he's putting up some numbers. He's looking good. And then, unfortunately... You know, he doesn't get a touchdown. Once again, you talk about Kyron Williams getting a rushing touchdown, and then he has a uh, passing touchdown to Kyron. And then unfortunately the interception goes right off Kyron's hands into a defender. And then the second interception is a timing route in which unfortunately ben Jefferson just takes way too much. He gets way too much depth in his route. And it does allow the defensive back to kind of come up and uh, jump the route and pick it off. So neither of the two interceptions i know it sounds crazy but neither of the two interceptions were really stafford's fault um i thought mark sanchez on the broadcast did an excellent job of explaining that so right now what do you come away with well stafford has what a 70 something passer rating because you know he has now two interceptions only one touchdown but this is where numbers can be deceiving. And I think Stafford's looked like one of the best quarterbacks in football. I think when you look at the way, you know, Kirk Cousins, Tua Tagovailoa, guys like that have played, Stafford's right up there this year. Uh, that's the, you know, kind of a disappointing, upsetting part about uh, this past game with the 49ers is those, those two interceptions, they go in the book just like any other. But in reality, neither of them were Stafford's fault.
1: I like how you mentioned context in regard to interceptions, because I think context kind of matters with this Rams running game. Because on the surface, you know, uh, Williams is averaging like 3.6 yards per carry, like Akers is averaging 1.3 yards per carry. Um, But also the Rams are top 10 in both rush EPA per play and rush success rate. And I noticed that maybe this is just ignorance on my part, because I've always kind of associated a Sean McVay offense with a lot of zone and wide zone specifically. A lot of the runs, according to PFF, have been charted as, as gap style runs. So kind of talk about like what this Rams running game is, maybe how it's better than what the stats kind of indicated to be.
2: Yeah, no, that that's great. Um, you know, th- here's the thing, John. Uh, they did go with more of a gap scheme this year, um, which is why I think they kind of didn't really have a use for Acres anymore. Um, uh, other reasons, but we'll leave that. But um, Kyron does everything, right? He he pass protects. He goes out for you know to catch passes out of the backfield, whether it's on a wheel route, you know, leaking out in a slip screen, or you're talking about a guy that can line up in the slot and be a legitimate receiver. He does everything, um, and obviously he can run the ball. So he had 53 snaps. Acres has 28 in the first game. Uh, those 53, Kyron's doing it all. So it's not really giving a tell to the defense. Whereas Acres is coming in. Those 28, car- uh, 28 snaps. Excuse me. 21 of those are carries. So now you, what you'll see is eight nine guys in the box seattle doesn't trust acres at all to be a threat out of the backfield as a pass catcher and i mean they're just licking their chops when he's in pass pro so that's the thing is now you have kyron and so they really feel like they're able to actually run their offense to the fullest and that's the thing sean McVay talked to him on friday and was like look this this isn't really going to be a fit moving forward you know with cam And again, there are other things there. He wanted more of a workload, and I think maybe he thought he was going to be a fit. Sean McVay, it took him one game to realize he's not a fit. Kyron is. And so what they're doing is, yes, those gap schemes, blocking down the line of scrimmage, creating those opportunities. But exactly what you, to your point, context is needed. The 3.6 yards per carry average shouldn't be penalized against somebody like Kyron because what Kyron is doing is actually really impressive when you think about it. Seattle did not respect... The Rams passing attack. They saw Cooper Cup was out, and they basically are like, All right, we're just gonna load the box, and you know, they're probably just gonna run with Cam Akers the entire time. And sure enough, Kyron comes away with two rushing touchdowns and looked pretty good. Uh, you know, yards after uh yards after contact, he had about 3.5 and Akers had like 2.6. So this guy's already shown you the ability to to shake some tackles. He did it at Notre Dame. And so I think, you know, with that 3.6 yards per carry average, it stems for the fact one Seattle sold out to stop the run. I think they're underrated against the run. Thought they did a decent job against the lions, bottling them up. And then you look at the 49ers and it's hard to run against the 49ers. So those are two tough matchups. And, you know, with all due respect to the Cincinnati Bengals here, who have now given up close to 200 yards in back-to-back games on the ground, albeit, you know, running quarterbacks, I think this is a good opportunity for Kyron to get going and have that hundred yard rushing game that everyone wants him to have in the Rams, you know, fan base, because I think until you get that, you're not going to get the respect. And to your point with the 3.6 yards per carry, people are just seeing him as just a guy with that 50 something yards back to back weeks. And so I think the thing with Kyron is you got to look at him for what he is I mean he's kind of the do-it-all guy and yes he's not six foot one Todd Gurley that that guy's not walking through the door right I think you know the hope is guys like Austin and Eckler who have come in and kind of changed people's perspectives again about the size of the running back I'm hoping that comes to be uh, the case with Kyron because he's a really good running back I mean there's a reason why he's out there they trust him Matthew Stafford's already throwing to him quite a bit. He had six catches in this past game. So I think it's really important to your point. The context is needed 3.6 yards per carry. We can look at that and say that's bad, but I think he's got a really good chance against this Bengals team to actually bump that yards per carry average up.
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Bengals lost a couple of big time free agents this year in one position group alone. And that is the the safety position. Um, They did sign a former Rams player in Nick Scott. We had some questions about him and in some of our live chats here, um, I guess from a Rams perspective, there's been some good and there's been some eh so far uh, with him starting for the Cincinnati Bengals through two games. What, 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 I don't know. What should our expectations be about Nick Scott and, you know, uh, is he going to be someone that can do a lot of the things that the Bengals veteran safeties did for them for a handful of years?
2: Well, I will just say this in the nicest way possible because I love Nick Scott. um, But don't watch the Falcons, okay? Jesse Bates is absolutely balling in Atlanta. Uh, He's not going to be Jesse Bates, but Nick Scott was a seventh round pick out of Penn State who was drafted to be a special teamer. He worked his way up, he worked his tail off, and he developed into a starter. He was really good down the stretch in that Super Bowl season. And he became a fan favorite when Jordan Fuller broke his leg. However, the problem is the next year, we kind of saw a a fan favorite. Yes. But when you know you have those fans, you haven't even analysts, myself included, try to kind of elevate him maybe quicker than he's elevating himself. I think he got a little overrated, if you ask me. Uh, Still really like the guy. Uh, I think the thing that really stands out to me is his athleticism. You're talking about that range. He's a guy that, I mean, it's going to come throughout the year. He's going to make a huge play in the secondary and it might come in this game, but he can jump routes. Um, He can cover a lot of ground, but I also love his ability as a tackler and, you know, how he can, you know, really lay the wood. Uh, His nickname with the Rams was Brick Scott. And it it was the reason for that is because he absolutely decked Debo Samuel in the NFC title game. One of the hardest hits I've ever seen. And so I think when you're getting that kind of combination, you know, he, he adds a little bit to what you already have there in the back end. I know you drafted Jordan Battle in the third round and you, of course, you have Dax Hill. Um, he I wouldn't say he's necessarily better than either of those guys. I think what you're getting with Scott is a solid player, but you got to temper expectations if you're expecting him to be anything, you know, like Jesse Bates, who just left.
1: Yeah, and that's that was more or less the expectation. Considering you signed for what four million dollars uh, per year, with like maybe like a handful guaranteed. There, there's yeah, there, there's been some low lights with Scott so far, and I think it's fair to kind of evaluate him probably at seasons end when we get a full season with him going to the Rams defense now, specifically specifically with the defensive line because that was a huge story for the Super Bowl two years ago with when they had Von Miller and Aaron Donald was playing at his best. Aaron Donald's still there. I don't think a lot of Bengals fans can recognize a lot of the other defensive linemen. Uh, so if you want to give us like a quick rundown, the defensive tackles, their edge rushers, what's the state of the Rams defensive line, especially going up against a Bengals offense line, that's still, it, it's it's it improved, but it's still kind of, you know, vulnerable to some obviously elite talents like Aaron Donald himself.
2: Yeah, no, I, this is a young defensive line. No doubt about it. Young edge defenders. Um, you're talking about probably the least experienced room in all of football, all positions in the NFL, is that edge room for the Rams? You got Byron Young, who's played in two games. You got Michael Hoyt, who's a 310 six foot four outside linebacker, and he's second in the league in outside linebacker coverage snaps. So think about that. Okay. So you got that going on. Then you got Nick Hampton, who I liked coming out of App State, fifth rounder. He's had one snap. And then you got Zach Van Valkenburg, who I mean, by the graces of God, he made this roster very, very close. Uh, You know, some good stuff we saw in preseason, but this is not a great unit. This is not very proven of a unit. And so that's the first thing. But I do think that we saw some strides from them to be fair against that 49ers team, which I mean, hey, they got a good offensive line outside, of course, the right tackle. That's a little questionable there. So then you look at the defensive line and obviously Aaron Donald sets the tone what I've been really impressed with two guys. I, I want to send Bobby Brown. I want to give him his props. He's looked decent, but two guys I've been really impressed with UDFA Jonah Williams. Who's been, he just plays best game. Don't, don't just ask me Ask Sean McVay. He'd tell you the same thing. He just plays best game as a Ram against the 49ers did a great job. And he's really athletic too. Like, The bubble screen, there there was a couple of them, Debo Samuel. He's getting out there and defending that from the interior. So really uh, impressive stuff there. And then the third round pick that I thought was a little bit of a reach, Kobe Turner. Okay. Kobe Turner is starting to really emerge for the Rams. I saw it on tape. I just finished the all 22 for the Rams and 49ers last night. And it really stuck out to me. This guy is starting to get through. He's starting to win. He has a true, like a pass rush plan up the gut. He could play the nose. You know, he could play, you know, next to the nose. He could play next to Donald. They do use Donald a little bit on the edge as well. He got a couple of those rushes on Purdy. Um, but I think the, the thing here is that the 49ers get rid of the ball like immediately. That was really their thing. So to see the pressure starting to build here uh, with these young guys getting through. It was impressive, and I do have to mention their fifth round pick from a couple years ago out in Northwestern, um, Ernest Brown, the fourth. I thought he looked pretty solid. So they have some guys. I think really just the name of the game with the Rams, and this is why I've been high on them all off season, is that they have talent. It's just not household talent. So it's going to surprise some people. And if you're reading too much into like what the mainstream's saying about how this team is going to tank for Caleb Williams then they're really going to surprise you. Cause I think this team has playoffs written all over. them. Just, really. just
1: real quick, Anthony, just real quick. I have, I have to ask Jake this um, 10, 10 snaps, 10 reps, Jonah Williams versus Jonah Williams, which Jonah Williams wins.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go with Jonah Williams, but I'm not going to tell you which one. No, uh, That's hot I'm going to go with the Rams, Jonah Williams, man. I love the way he's playing. Um, and, you know, the thing I love about watching Jonah Williams and Michael Hoyt, the six foot four, 310 pound outside linebacker that just defies the laws of everything, is that these are UDFAs that people have counted out. And it's just a rem- like a reminder that, OK, like the Rams have drafted guys. Talk about Cam Akers. They just traded him for a pick swap in 2026. And Jonah Williams, Cam Akers was drafted in the second round and Jonah Williams UDFA no one thought he was gonna make the roster now here he is in year three I believe so it's it is cool to see that but yeah I think he's kind of been the guy you have a Sean Robinson there Greg Gaines Aaron Donald a lot of guys in front of him and now they let Greg Gaines go kind of mysteriously very very cheap to the Buccaneers same thing a Sean Robinson goes to the Giants they might have known something that we didn't and I think that these young guys are cooking right now And it is a surprise because I thought, you know, they got this guy, UDFA out of Cincinnati. He had an interception in uh, the first playoff game in that Super Bowl run against the Cardinals. It was Marquise Copeland and he didn't even make the team. I was surprised by that. So um, they have a lot of depth in that interior defensive line. And it's a it's a testament to obviously I think Raheem Morris does a great job as a defensive coordinator and you can see what he's getting out of these kids because no one bought into this defense. It was clearly everyone thought this, this defense was going to be terrible. But then, um, you know, Eric Henderson, defensive line coach, he's just done an outstanding job. I think the only thing I would hold against the Rams is that they let John Franklin Myers go for nothing, but that's about it.
0: Uh, so we talked about, fun side note, by the way, uh, on the Jonah Williams thing that we're talking about. Um, and <laughs> in, in the newest Madden, uh, there's a profile picture of the Bengals Jonah Williams and his profile picture I believe is of the Rams player Jonah oh Williams. So it's not God, the first time. Yeah, it's it's not the first time that that uh, confusion has been has been had. And I think also if I'm not mistaken Eric Henderson who you mentioned was he with the Bengals at one point? I I think maybe. Um I know uh, yeah, he Chargers, was as a player but he might have been. 06 0- yeah. through 08. Yeah. So interesting connection to bring up there. Um, that's interesting with, with yeah. And Rams. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, well look we talked Nakua we've talked Stafford we've got uh, and then you also on the defensive side you talked about the, the Niners getting the ball out quickly and that's uh, some of what Burrow and the Bengals have tried to do and the, what, they've, what they've adjusted to from last year and into the beginning of this year so I guess if you're if you're McVay and company I know it's kind of a broad question but what's what's your best plan of attack this week is it run heavy because of the rush yards allowed by the Cincinnati defense and how would you negate things on offense um, if you're the if you're the Rams brain trust
2: I'm going with the same thing I did against Seattle I mean you had 38 passes you had 40 carries I'm trying to balance out this offense I'm trying to run my offense I'm not going to let them dictate what I do the 49ers got off to a lead in that third late third early fourth quarter And it changed the game. They couldn't run the ball anymore. Now they're throwing it. Now, no boom gets hurt at at right guard. So you have a, you know, sub there. They can't do what they want to do because they were double teaming Javon Hargrave. Now they can't, you know, he's not athletic enough to get over double team Hargrave and then slide back over. So it was a mess. I think really the thing is, and this is why they brought in Mike LaFleur, is that they need to. You know, consistently run the ball. Sean McVay has notoriously gotten away from running the ball. I mean, we could talk about the Super Bowl against the Patriots, just abandons the run in a game 0 0 for until the fourth quarter. So that, that's been Sean McVay. That's why they went out, they rebuilt this offense pretty much from the ground up. Um, they've changed some things like Stafford lost weight. They want to get him more on the run, bootlegs, things like that. Um, you know, so. That, that's the thing is like Sean McVay has to stick to not just running the ball, but balancing out the offense. And then I think on the defensive side, I mean, I, I, I have the Bengals win the Super Bowl. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not going off that. Um, I, I still believe they have what it takes to win the Super Bowl. And I sure. think Joe Burrow, you know, you talk about those guys that were they got to the Super Bowl and then they lose and then they never go back. I don't think Burrow is one of those guys. Like I think he's gonna win a Super Bowl someday. And so I'm very high on the Bengals. That's why it's weird for me to feel this way. But I feel like following the 49er game, very, very physical, right? Christian McCaffrey, like in your face, smash smash mouth running back, and then you talk about Debo Samuel, who's like a running back. Brandon iuke George Kittle. Like I'm not as worried about the physicality in this game running after the catch with a Jamar Chase, with a T Higgins, with Tyler Boyd, with Joe Mixon. And it's not to say they're not great players cuz they're they're all really good and it's one of the best groups I would say in the league offensively, but I think after what the Rams just went up against with the 49ers, if they want to get rid of the ball quickly, I think they're going to have an okay job, you know, just making the tackle. A big issue with them last week, Debo Samuel was breaking every tackle. They've always had a hard time bringing him down, no matter who was in the Rams defense. So I think that's really the key is that, you know, the 49ers are okay getting rid of the ball. It keeps Brock Purdy out of harm's way. We know if Joe Burrow has to go down the field, he might not be 100 percent, but we know the arm talent is there. We know he's capable of it. We don't know what Brock Purdy's capable of. So the way Kyle Shanahan called that game was like, I don't know if I even trust Brock Purdy to win this game. Just dump it off to Debo, let Debo cook, let Christian McCaffrey cook. I mean, aside from one throw they made to Jawan Jennings late in that game, just watching the All-22 last night, just about every single play was Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel. And they were not deep down the field. And if they were, Purdy missed them. I'm not just expecting Burrow to just miss guys because he's injured. I still think he's capable of hitting a few passes, being dangerous. He's clutch, and, and you can't measure that clutch factor. So I don't know what the status is on Burrow. I don't know how that's going to look. But like, if I'm in this game, and the, the best thing that can happen is Burrow's getting the ball out quickly and dumping the ball off because I'm pinning my ears back. And I'm going to go and get those guys. But instead, you know, if he's testing you deep down the field, that's when it can get concerning because you talk about Darion Kendrick, who's given up the third fewest yards, but he's been a little penalty happy. Like he got hit with, I think, Mm. two or three penalties last game covering Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. So, you know, if I'm the Bengals, I'm targeting Darian Kendrick. I'm making him prove it to me. Can you stop a Jamar Chase? Can you stop a T Higgins? I'm targeting a Kella Witherspoon who I think has played well, 10th fewest yards allowed in the NFL for corners, but at the same time, like can you stop T Higgins? Can you stop Jamar Chase? And then if those guys are if that's working, that I'm targeting Kobe Durant, who's been playing the slot this year, and he's he's a very good player. I think he's off to a slow start. I'm targeting him with uh, with Tyler Boyd, and if it's not Tyler Boyd, hell, I'll throw in Chuck Sizzle, and I'll see if he can stop him. That's <laughs> that's how I see it because I think the Bengals, and this is why this game is so fascinating to me, is right now the Rams look like they should have no issue winning this game. They look like the far better team coming into this game, but the Bengals are my Super Bowl pick, and. It's different, man. They're one and one. The Rams are one and one. They got that win out of the way to start the season. They looked really good against the 49ers. Fans came out of that game like like I can't believe I'm saying this as well. Like the 49ers are the arch rival. Everyone hates the 49ers in Rams country. But Rams fans came out of that game feeling like we're ahead of schedule here. Like this is gonna be a fun season, you know? Not like, oh, we lost. Well, the Bengals, like, desperate teams are dangerous. And 0-2, like you're staring 0-3 in the face. It starts to go away from that storyline. Like, well, when they were 0-2, they went to the Super Bowl. Like, that's great and all, but 0-3, you start to go down like, ugh, it's not It's not good territory to be in. So, I mean, this could go either way. It really depends what kind of Bengals team we see because I, I I have no doubt Sean McVale will have the Rams ready to go.
1: So, I guess, I mean, if you want to make two predictions here, if you want to make a, a Burrow playing prediction or a Jake Browning <laughs> playing prediction, we all know all Super Bowl runs start with Jake Browning, of course, playing yes. the game. Um, yeah. So if you want to if you want to head your bet, but uh, uh, by all means,
2: I mean, I'll say this. I think Burrow's going to go and I don't know, like they might. I don't know how it works with the calf. Do you like heavily tape that thing? Like, I, I don't I don't know. Um, that's the thing that sucks. It's not like an ankle that you can tape up. Like, So I think he's going to go, and I think it's going to be a, a pretty solid game. Um, I was not impressed with, as great as this defense has looked at times, I think the thing that needs to be explained here, that Seattle game where they only gave up 12 yards and a first down in the second half, that took, so because they got off to that lead and they won by 17, it took Kenny Walker out of that game. Kenny Walker is averaging over five yards per carry. And then this game, you know, Christian McCaffrey, the explosive 50 plus yard run, like bad, bad football there. Right. You take that run away. They held him to 3.6 yards per carry. So that that's a good thing. Right. But still the explosives are there. So I, I mean, I look at a Joe Mixon and I'm like, he's done it before he could do that. He could get out to the second level And then he's one of the bigger guys at the second level could break a tackle. You know, they need something like that. And then, you know, in addition to that, I just think, you know, with the Rams, anything could happen. I mean, it's going to be peaks and valleys with this team. The offense, in my opinion, even though they look young, the offense is the experienced part of this group. It's the defense that's, you know, interesting. I'm going to go 31, 23 Rams. But I think mm. if if Cincinnati wins this game, I don't think it's going to be the Rams played bad. I think it's that, wow, okay, Cincinnati, that that Super Bowl team that we thought they could be, that was them on Monday night. I think that's what's going to be the storyline.
0: Interesting. Jake Ellen Bogan of the Believe in Rams podcast. We're going to pull this up and share the link to your show. Appreciate you, you are You are a, uh, a renaissance man, my friend. You do... <laughs> a lot of different projects you you know you i'm looking at your profile here you stream daily on kick.com you are the host of the off the uh, the edge show nfl show you are the ceo of downtown rams another account on twitter slash x that has a very solid following you are the host as i mentioned of the believe in rams a writer at turf show times sb nations ram site tell us where you can find this show along with your co-host former rams linebacker cam lynch joining you behind the mic
2: yeah I, i'll just say this first off really appreciate you guys having me you can follow me at jk bogan on twitter and all of my stuff to just make it as simple as possible is going to be in that link tree bio uh because i got a lot of stuff and i got so much stuff i don't even think that's in my link tree so yeah, that's, that's probably good. Or you could Google me, Jake Ellenbogen, either one works. You will find it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I appreciate it guys. This is, I, I love talking ball. If you can't tell. Um, and we're uh, yeah, good at th- it. This, thank you. This, this Bengals team. And this is the, the weird thing is that there's like almost, there's kind of like this, this love hate relationship, because obviously when a team plays a team in a Bowl, one team wins, one team loses, you know, that whole thing. And I just I've only ever respected Bengals fan because I had the, like the greatest time during that time like going on Twitter Spaces with people and getting to know the community and I thought Bengals fans were just awesome and just the hospitality and everything like it was really nice and obviously you guys with your hospitality um, and, and it's just it's it's weird here because I'm like man this is the team before the season started Bengals Lions that was my Super Bowl and I had the Bengals winning and. It's just I hate to see where they're at right now because it's only because of Joe Burrow's uh, ankle, in my opinion. I think the offense so far what we've seen is our excuse me is calf. I think it's held back him. It's held back the offense. And I think, unfortunately, what we're seeing is that when an offense struggles like that, it's really taxing on a defense. And it's really hard to evaluate a defense that's on the field the whole game. And that's what I've come away because I've seen every game of theirs. And I mean, I thought they had a chance to beat the Ravens there, um, but, you know, just the fact that they made that turnaround, the, the Browns game is awful, uh, but to make that turnaround in week two, be in that game, tough division rivalry, Burroughs, not hundred percent. I think they're going in the right direction. And that's why, you know, I think both these teams are going to be playing, uh, you know, potentially, I don't know how deep for the Rams, <laughs> but I think both of these teams will be playing in January.
0: Well, I hope that's the case, and Jake, I am old enough. I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but I am a Southern California native, and I am old enough to remember a an iconic game. Uh, I didn't get to go to it because I was too little, but my dad <laughs> and my older brother went to it. It was in the old Anaheim Stadium, uh, Bengals-Rams, Jim Everett versus Boomer Sice, and the guys threw for over like 800 yards and five touchdowns combined 34 31 i think it was an overtime game so if you want to go back you say you watch a lot of the the rams games if you want to go back and watch a fun one my friend go back in the archives and watch that one.
2: Oh, see that sounds that sounds awesome like as soon as you said boomer and of course my guy jim everett he's been on my show a few times he's a good dude um good dude yeah those two i mean they were like stars at that point so that doesn't surprise me like 800 plus yards that That'd be fun. I would like to see it. I it's not it's not possible uh with Burrow the way he is and I know that but um as somebody that enjoyed the hell out of uh 2018 what I call the the real Super Bowl I'm just kidding of course the mm-hmm. Monday Night Football uh 54-51 Patrick Mahomes versus Jared Goff I'd love to see oh, a Matthew yeah. Stafford versus Burrow there's just no defense in this yeah. game they're just going crazy I would love to see that it's not going to happen but it's a shame because <laughs> who knows it it might have happened if Burrow was was 100% Yeah yeah. Well,
0: this has been a lot of fun talking with you. And don't be a stranger. I know these teams don't face off very often, but don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you back on. Maybe we're talking Super Bowl uh rematch here at the end of the year, but um good having you on. Give our best to to Cam and hopefully we'll catch up with you soon, Jake.
2: Sounds like a plan. Appreciate you guys. And oh, by the way, off the edge, we cover the we cover the Bengals. We cover the NFL. So um I'm down to come on anytime.
0: Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, Jake. Thank Absolutely.
2: you,
0: Jake. That was awesome. Wow. I, You know, I got to tell you, I did not sleep very well last night, John, um, for a variety of reasons. I think I'm going on three or four hours of sleep, but uh, Jake got me. The, Jake and a, a caffeinated drink here got me kind of my late afternoon re-energized there. Uh, I, like, I like the knowledge, the passion. That he brought um i love when we have someone on for the first time and he's, you know sometimes you're like i don't know what to expect here and they bring uh they bring the knowledge i know believe always like yourself hires great great talent
1: yeah anthony uh when you said you had a rams guest on because i don't know a lot of people who cover the rams i didn't know you were gonna reach out to the first person i ever met at the senior bowl uh yeah jake <laughs> Uh, we we hung out a couple times. I think it was like 2018 down there in yeah. near Mobile when, when Josh Allen was the the Senior Bowl MVP. So yeah, we yeah, kind of a blast the and It was fun talking to. Him I, think, him. I think
0: I think that was when you and I were doing I think a form of a show, and mm-hmm. you were in the hotel room with Goodberry, right? You guys had a had a. That
1: was the next year. I, I don't even think oh, I, was I was on the this. Year. I don't think I was on the show when the 2018 Senior okay. Bowl okay. was a thing. All yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh go check out all the awesome I god dude, I saw his uh his profile and I'm like, man, John and I do a lot of stuff, but that guy he's, he's got like seven different projects going on here. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh this is the Orange and or Black Insider Bengals podcast. That interview went a little longer than expected, but it was fantastic. And we'll, we'll cover a few more things before we hop on out of here. But in case you are new here, welcome. You can get this show on your favorite audio streamer, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. We are there. If you like the video side of things, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel underneath the Cincy Jungle icon on John's side of the screen there. Click that show icon to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live. And then uh, give us a thumbs up on... All the stuff that you like that we're doing, uh, we, we try and give you a lot of different stuff, whether it's our shows on the YouTube channel. We also host the Three and Out podcast, which is part of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel, along with Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends and the coach, Matt Minnick's coach speaking Chalk Talk. So go get all of that. Get all your podcast videos, analysis, opinions, news on cincyjungle.com or where my boy John is writing at a to z sports.com we he and i appreciate your support of this show and our respective websites john speaking of news my friend there was some that (laughs) broke right before we took the air um uh, oh odd stuff odd stuff and i'm gonna let you talk about it i'm gonna let i'm gonna give you the honors on this one because it is a a little bit of a shocker
1: when it rains and pours i guess um (laughs) the Bengals entering today uh, had one had two quarterbacks officially practice for Thursday and now they will probably only have one tomorrow because Will Greer who was on the practice squad for the Bengals signed to the New England Patriots active roster kind of a shock obviously considering you know practice squad quarterbacks don't normally get poached so early in the season but Will Greer obviously had a phenomenal end to his preseason with the Dallas Cowboys it's why the Bengals uh, ended up signing him to the practice squad they hope to develop him the implications here are obvious though Joe Burrow did not practice officially on Thursday he was out on the on the field with a helmet on he was doing warm-ups he was throwing a little bit but he didn't participate in the actual team portion or everything he wasn't even limited Jake Browning is obviously quarterback number two he took all the reps with the starters and everything and Will Greer I'm assuming was was there I'm assuming he was like doing all this stuff. Um, If Joe Burrow cannot play Monday night, the Bengals only have one quarterback on the roster who can, and it's Jake Browning. So are they going to sign another guy to the practice squad and elevate him up to the active roster? Are they going to call up Trevor Simeon, who they cut back in August? Does this impact whether or not Joe Burrow actually plays or is at least active in an emergency situation? None of these things that we know. All we know is the Bengals have another quarterback problem on hands a few days before a must-win game.
0: I think it will be pretty telling what they do. Um and I, and you and I talked about this last uh I think it was on Monday on the aftermath where we feel like if a, if a transaction were to be made or if it was going to be um Greer Browning they would they would give the nod potentially to Browning because of familiarity in the system and just that sort of thing. So it will be telling to, you know, do they go on one of the bigger name free agents that are available out there at quarterback, because they feel that, man, we got to have someone with a lot of starting experience, potentially some semblance of success in the league because Burrow's not going to play. Um, or are we going to kind of stay with some of the devils we know And maybe that's a real short-term situation in terms of someone else starting. And so they're just more comfortable with that aspect. I I don't know, but um, definitely something, a development to watch over the next couple of days. I I still maintain at this point, I know it looks kind of bleak. My gut's still telling me Burrow's going to play Sunday or Monday rather. Um, I, I don't know how confident I am in that, but that's just kind of, if you were to ask me right now, that would be my—that's where I would place my bet between yes or no. Would be yes, um, but I do think that the correlating move to this loss of Will Greer will will say a lot in terms of what's going to be happening over the next game, couple of games.
1: I think the issue here is that this is a true day-to-day situation. Like no decision has been made um, regarding him playing or sitting monday night it is just really just hey how are you doing today you know can you practice today do you feel good you know it, it's just a constant updating process and that plays into what the Bengals want to do or can do in terms of just drawing up contingencies and one of these contingencies obviously would be to have two healthy quarterbacks here now obviously people are going to be upset that this happened uh at the worst possible time right the Bengals unfortunately can't protect any player on the practice squad until like they, they have to do that like Saturday or I guess it would be Sunday. It's like it's like twenty four hours before the game or something like that. So oh. the Bengals couldn't really stop this. The the only way they could have stopped it is if they had signed Will Greer to to the active roster, which again, it that was a possibility. But if you're still again, if you're still deciding if you're going to have two quarterbacks active on the active roster playing on Monday night, that is a roster move that like you have to unfortunately cut someone else, cut someone that you don't want to release out to the open market for them to sign on to another, another team. Right. So these decisions all have implications. They have ramifications, if you will, and not having anything concrete set in stone in terms of a plan for what you're going to do three days down the road, it creates just a lot of possibilities out there. one of the possibilities, a bad possibility was Will Greer signing to another team who had, had a spot open on the active roster. So, this unfortunately i'm not going to say it was unavoidable but it was just it, it's a very very unfortunate circumstance that they have to now deal with and when you talk about burrow man like i i none of us have a good read on the situation we can only gauge yeah. off of the things that they say or don't say they haven't said a lot about this other than he's sore obviously he's still going through this he's still getting treatment and again it's just still a daily process and every day could be different if you want my unprofessional opinion it's probably a matter of Burrow doing everything in his power to play and the, and the training staff and the coaches and whoever experts they're leaning on are just playing it with with caution and thinking about the long-term ramifications of this. And if it comes down to, Hey, it's, it's Sunday night and I feel good enough to play like I did last Sunday, that might be enough to allow him to play. I'm assuming they're going to do something to where they don't have to force him to play because they only have one quarterback. I'm assuming another quarterback is going to reenter the building before that time right but this right. just only unfortunately it just accelerates the process and it, it just creates a bigger necessity that they need to have some type of plan set in stone
0: well big news as we said and the Bengals have a big responding move to make here um, and and again I, I still think who that who that person is that they bring in will be very telling about what the foreseeable future with Joe Burrow and their plans are with him, be it for just this Monday night or a couple of weeks ahead. But let's talk a little bit because we're running up against it. Let's talk a little bit about this this game on our own here. We talked a ton w- with Jake Ellenbogen and he gave us some great insight on the Rams, who they are, what they're about, especially in this one and one start for them this year. Um, I-, I was just on – uh strawberry ice's show before i came on here and we talked a little running backs and i see this comment here from james Wright. i don't know if this is the the former Bengals wide receiver James. oh it might be but yeah yeah that would be that would be kind of interesting um old lsu james Wright, but his comment here scheming chris evans on linebackers and wide zone runs off tackle from under center with blocking tight ends in the game with browning in the game plus Mixon has been a beast more void in the middle also i mean i think all of that in theory looks good um the Bengals have not or sounds good in a way um the Bengals have not I, I don't believe called up gentry right he would have been there they're their blocking uh kind yeah. of block blocking tight end so um you know that may be a move they they look at making in the coming weeks depending on which way they want to go here again with all of this talk whether it is burrow coming in whether it is Browning getting the start or maybe a, a street free agent depending on who that might be. I, I mean again, is this the is this a week is this the week to at least kind of partially lean on the run a little bit more than you originally anticipated or that this normally healthy offensive unit does?
1: So I actually just wrote an article about this just because you knew that this conversation was going to come up regardless of of who's the quarterback, right? You either have a limited, extremely limited Joe Burrow or a Jake Brown who's never started an NFL game before. Naturally, this is going to be the case. I think it's fine if the Bengals want to run more. I think they have to run better because right now they are 18th in expected points added per rush and 27th in success rate. And that includes the handful of Joe Mixon runs that have gone for more than 10 yards. As long as it's 22, he's had a couple over 10. There needs to be more consistency. If if Because what it boils down to is you're running the ball more on first and second down. And the majority of those runs for Joe Mixon have not netted positive results. It's been a lot of one, two, three-yard gains. So it's been more or less similar to... not Not as drastically bad as it was last year, but it's been similar in terms of There's a reason why they're passing the ball in early downs. One, it's just better. It's more efficient. And two, they're just not tremendously good at it. They've had more success moving the chains on like third and short situations, but those situations have been far and few between. They need to run the ball better if they expect it to carry the offense in however way that they need it to. And I think with Jake Browning at quarterback, I'm not here to say that this is like an optimistic take, but this is just a perspective. With Jake Browning, I think you can go under center a little bit more because he's at least mobile. He can move out of the pocket from under center on these play-action play, play bootlegs. He can potentially hand the ball off on more wide zone or outside zone concepts, which is crazy because the Bengals completely went away from that last year. And it's, it's interesting how we're talking about it now as a way to salvage what the offense is. But... Those types of plays, if executed correctly, can open up opportunities down the field for explosive plays, which is the whole point of what the Bengals were trying to do in OTAs and minicamp. They were trying to go under center more. They were trying more play action because that's the best way to open up down the field. It's not going in shotgun and getting the ball out in 2.2 seconds. That that doesn't create vacancies and openings and deep coverages. You have to just be very smart and meticulous on how to do that. This is a way to create easier plays, but they have to execute them properly. And we don't know if the Bengals have the running game right now to be able to do that. But I think if Jake Browning is a quarterback, you will probably probably see more under center. You will definitely see more early down runs in an attempt to get ahead of the chains, not put it all on Browning, but they still have to do it better than they have done in the first two weeks.
0: Well, that's the, that's the risk you run. <laughs> Pardon the fun. Um, with nice yeah, when, when, uh, when you when you have a backup quarterback in or a hobbled limited burrow in playing for you is if you do go to more runs if you do go to that sort of heavy package you have a potential for it not being su- successful because you're you're very predictable at that point so I think to your point yeah some more under center but I do think that you then would do. Uh, If you have if you have Browning, you would then maybe do some play action bootleg stuff short, you know, kind of a little short controlled passing as someone kind of trails across the field type of thing. Should they get open? I I think if you do a little bit more of that, because otherwise you are truly trying to rely on a Ryan Finley versus the Steelers type of game situation um, where, where, you know, Browning throws the ball. And now you don't want Browning necessarily throwing the ball 40, 50 times either. Should he play? But. I mean, we, we, looked at the stats there. I think it, Finley in that game was seven of 13 um, in the, in that crazy win against the Steelers on Monday night, the Von Bell, Juju Smith, Schuster, Schuster, infamous game. So, I mean, you will have to probably rely on a game like that if you want this run heavy, run heavy type of thing. And I don't, you know, I don't know if that plays into your best interest for the Bengals there, but um, I mean, granted, I think, I think Mixon has earned more carries. I think the running backs have, have, in a way, they need a little bit more balance, especially with Burrow ailing a little bit. But I don't don't know that it necessarily needs to go way over the top on that front, regardless of who's under center.
1: It's just, it's unfortunate because Burrow plays, I just don't foresee this offense changing that much in terms of what they do schematically because the emphasis will still be on Burrow getting the ball out quickly. He will not have the mobility that you desire for this offense to run at full functionality. And I think that's part of the equation with what the Bengals coaching staff is thinking of right now. If they, if first of all, there is a greater risk of Burrow suffering an even more severe injury based off of his current status. Now that's obviously going to be in the forefront of their minds. And if that risk coincides or is conjoined with if getting another quarterback in there can potentially open up playbook a little bit more, especially against the Rams defense because Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald and Jay kind of touched on, you know, some of the other names on on the defensive line. The secondary is not that great and it's not performed particularly well. So there's an opportunity here to, I think, push the ball down the field a little bit more and have some more long developing plays Especially when you have a receiving core that is I think it's just antsy to get those targets, especially Jamar Chase who want to go there, right? So I think that's just in their mind right now. And Burrow in his mind can probably think that he can do all this stuff, but that's obviously something that he's gotta think about as well. I I ultimately, Anthony, we talked about Jake Browning in the preseason and how underwhelming he looked. And we kind of chalk that up to he's playing with a backup offensive line. He's playing with backup receivers. We don't really have a good gauge on how good or bad he is when he's playing with second-tier players. If he's out there with the full force of the Bengals' offense, with a fully healthy offensive line and receiving core, against a Rams defense that, again, it, it still has Aaron Donald. He can still wreck a game if he, if he so desires. But a Rams defense that is exploitable in some areas, this might be the chance to see what you have with him if you think the risk with Burrow is too much because i think that is just that's tempting enough to put Browning more on the table even if burrow thinks in his in his heart of hearts he's good to go
0: that's a solid point i mean browning and and simeon you know they weren't playing with the big three at wideout, out and uh you know i i think very limited i can't remember exactly how many preseason touches Mixon had, but i think it's few and far between um so i mean yeah i mean there's there's an argument to be had that you know what we saw, which was I don't know if largely ineffective, is, is the right turn, but um, not the prettiest brand of offensive football with either quarterback that played in the preseason. I think it's fair to say that it would be a decent amount better because of the cast of characters that would that they would be playing with. So yeah, I mean that's a fair point, but I mean obviously the matchups are are, are pretty clear, and I think Jamar Chase. This week, uh, you know, he he made it known that he wants more go, you know, deep shots, go routes, that sort of thing. So maybe they try a few more of those this week, especially given the weaknesses or um, lack of strength in the secondary for the Rams. Maybe that's an area they look to exploit. Um, and of course, figuring out the interior protection against Aaron Donald, thats that's got to be key, even though he's at the end of his career there. Um, he still provides massive, massive problems for for any offense. So those have to be the keys, John. Uh, any others, and then your prediction for this one.
1: The the Rams' running game is still very fascinating to me because they have obviously they have clarity now that Cam Akers is out the door and, Ky- and Kyron Williams is taking like the you know the full lion, lion share, if you will. But I, I I just like Sean McVay, his scheme is like it's still more or less what it is. Like there's a lot of pre-snap motion. It's a lot of under center. Obviously there's more of a, of a shift towards a more downhill gap scheme and, and everything, but like, it's still a, in my opinion, a surprisingly effective uh, unit, even though I guess it shouldn't be surprised. Cause like Sean McVay has always typically had a solid run game and that's been an area of weakness for the Bengals defense, regardless of where, where the game script is for them. So it, it's a good opportunity for them, for that unit to, to kind of take some pride, and have a more of a bounce back game against them. But it, that's going to be, I think, a really even matchup. If the Bengals defensive line plays up to their potential against a, a pretty solid run, Rams running uh, run defense, that's going to be an underrated aspect of this game, I think, because there's, there's bigger storylines everywhere else. I just, I'm not going to be, <laughs> I, I can't in good conscience predict the Bengals winning with Jake Bryan in a quarterback, especially because Matthew, like if Matthew Stafford wasn't playing too well. Like maybe I would change it, but it, it does come down to the quarterbacks for me. He could definitely surprise. Like if, if this ends up being Ryan Finley 2.0, you know, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, it's not gonna be the most shocking thing I've ever seen. It's 2023. There's plenty more shocking things that I've seen. Um, but yeah, like it's the the Bengals would have to just play just really, really great football to win with Jake Brown in a quarterback, even if the Rams defense is not. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's going to be tough. So I'm, I'm going to have the Rams winning this one by like, eh, like four points, six points.
0: And if burrow plays,
1: oof, that's, that's even tougher. Um, I just, it's, 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 if he didn't get hit, if he didn't get injured, you would think that this is just 2022 again, right? It, they, they, made strides on offense in week 2 and then they kind of put started putting it in together in week 3 for a more solid performance. Um I just I I'm just not sure that we're going to get that even if he does play, man. Like I there's a, there's a scenario where Aaron Donald just pressures him out and maybe he tweaks it again and or maybe he's just mindful of that and he's just getting the ball out even quicker. And if that's the case, like I agree with Jake. I don't, I don't foresee the Bengals skill players breaking off long uh, catches and runs after the catch if the ball's just getting out too quick and the Rams obviously had a lot of tape on that. So I, I think the only way the Bengals win this game is if Joe Burrow just plays out of his mind while injured or the Bengals just completely rally around Jake Browning. I, I, just, I would like to see either of them happen before I actually predict it to happen.
0: Yeah, it's, this is such a hard game to predict. Again, I'm kind of operating under the assumption that Burrow will play. And maybe I'm in the minority that thinks that. But, um, you know, I, I'm just operating under that assumption. And with that, I think the Bengals squeak out a victory here. Um, if it goes the other way and it is Browning, I I don't think they win this game. And then, you know, I don't know what the conversation is if they go, Oh, and three, I don't, I I don't know exactly what, what the game plan is, what the direction is. If, you know, they, they expect maybe a a week of sitting with burrow kind of remedies it. And then they go just one week. I, you know, I, I, this is a really, really tough. I don't mean to be, you know, fence rider or whatever about it. It's just really, really tough to call when you don't know who's playing at quarterback and how healthy said quarterback truly is in this one. So, um, as of now, I'm operating under the assumption that Burrow will play and the Bengals get a, a tough, probably ugly, close victory. But we'll see exactly what happens. We're about an hour in. Uh Let's drop the mic and get out of here, John. What do you have for us?
1: An ugly win now would be so beautiful, I think, to a lot of Bengals fans. Because oh, that's the whole it. thing, right? Like, winning ugly is all the Bengals can hope to do in September nowadays. The fact that they just can't seem to do that despite the adversity is the biggest reason as to why they're just being held back in the regular season. But I, I want to reject kind of the notion that you brought it up like, like fence riding. And I know that's not what you want. Like, like that's not what what you want to be associated with, but I, I reject the idea of like, that that actually exists in terms of just analysis. Like we're just calling it like, like we see it, right. It, this is not the same as Bengals starting. zero and two last year, when you have a group of, when you have an offense that doesn't really know what it is, but they're going to f- eventually figure it out because there's veteran leadership. This is an offense without a quarterback right now, an offense without a yeah. fully healthy quarterback. And you just don't know what that entails. You don't know what the long-term or short-term future is with the group. If that is such an unknown. So we're, like th- th- this is just calling it like it is. And there's not a ton of rightfully so. There's not a ton of optimism right now because you just don't know if he's going to play. You don't know what his status is. You don't know if this is going to continue for the rest of the year. You can kind of assume that that's going to be the case. But until they show that this this is just something that they can just pull out of their butts and by the magic of, you know, locker room culture, I yeah, I think it's, it's just up to them to kind of prove that not up to us to be like, hey, we just assume it's going to happen because why not?
0: yeah yeah well i you know i guess coin flip situation I don't, I don't know you know uh with who's playing how healthy all that kind of stuff uh elise asked this funny question in here anthony did you play for the Bengals offensive line i don't know if that's a compliment not a compliment what have you but I don't I know to that's a compliment this. yeah yeah i wanted to show this picture once again. And if you join us for the aftermath of Monday, I share this with, this is Jason and I've enlarged this a little bit. If you look, I, I don't know if you see my cursor moving up there, but if you look at this Cincy Jungle shirt, it's got kind of some random signatures on it. That was from well over a decade ago when I was attending a, uh, you know, I was at a San Diego, then San Diego Chargers game with the Bengals. And I actually, one of the signatures up top here is Mike Brown. And I met Mike Brown and this just this comment reminded me of this. And Mike Brown, very affable guy um, and, you know, very low key guy comes strolling into this hotel. And I went and I just kind of went <laughs> went up to him a little bit because he was allowing people to go up to him and uh, introduced myself. And he said, oh, you know, it just gave him some compliments because at the time they were kind of stringing together winning seasons and everything like that. And uh, Mike Brown, in his very unique verbiage says to me, he goes, uh, so you, you're a pretty big guy. Did you, did you play? And I said, well, yeah, you know, here and there. And I I was more baseball, blah, blah, blah. He said, Oh, well, you're Husky. Is was the word he used for me. And I, that always stuck with me because I'm like, I don't think that's Husky's not normally used as a complimentary term. Um, but I guess the fact that he thought that I was at some point, some sort of player, I guess, I don't know. I guess I would take that as a compliment in some, some, mike brown way right
1: <laughs> yeah i can see him like learning that just from his dad maybe and you know, just just yeah, talking yeah. specifically in like football terms like oh yeah, yeah. you're a pretty husky dude you can, you can get dirty in the trenches thanks man yeah, just a yeah. normal dude just trying to live life you know thanks
0: <laughs> but all things all you know regardless i i i kind of just thought it was funny when he said it but um i i maintain to this day i know people said what they've said about mike brown over the years and continue to say about him but he was nothing but affable and approachable and very very nice not only to myself but to, to others that were going up to him that day so i will maintain that stance at least anyway funny story i saw that comment from elise and i'm like i gotta find i gotta i gotta tell that story even if it puts a little egg on my face but whatever (laughs) anyway john thank you buddy thanks for hopping on i know it's been a crazy day but uh especially with that news that broke right before we took the air but thank you and thank you all to everybody tuning in live everybody tuning in after the fact get it on your favorite audio streamer this show and others on the cincy jungle podcast channel subscribe to our youtube channel below john there and of course you gotta like the cincy jungle facebook page keep it to cincyjungle.com and adzsports.com Let's hope for a who that, that that ever elusive W for the Cincinnati Bengals on this one because they need to start turning things around and Burrow needs to get healthy. John, uh, have a good have a good kickoff to your weekend, bud.
1: Yeah, and if you guys are down at the game, I'll be there. So feel free to say hi.
0: Say hey. All right.